When I was a boy growing up, it seemed to me that Christmas would never arrive. I eagerly anticipated it. It just seemed that it was not coming. As the years have gone by, it seems now that Christmas comes three or four times a year. Like a lot of other things, Thanksgiving, Halloween, my annual physical taxes, all those things, it seems that it's speeded up a little bit. Well, it's a wonderful time of the year. Christmas is a wonderful time of the year, and it has been from the very beginning. It is a time when families gather and then they scatter. Gifts are given, then they are returned. There is a sense in which Christmas is an emotional paradox. It is a time of joy. It was a time of joy when the announcement of the birth of Christ came. Luke wrote, And the angels said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. So in the very beginning, it was a time of joy, and it is still a time of joy today. And yet I know that there are those who are not especially joyous at the time of Christmas. Now, it is my belief that if we focus on the Christ of Christmas, then we are going to have contentment and satisfaction and joy as our focus is on Him. And that's what I want to do today. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, beginning in verse number 7. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. When you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Out of Egypt did I call my son. What I want us to do today is to review the story of Christmas. The reason I want to do that is because it seems to me that secular society has largely revised the story of Christmas. And the truth is, many people today in our country, in our state, really do not even know what the celebration is all about. So I want to review this basic story with which most of you are familiar now, we all know that Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Christ. There are those people who are offended by that notion. And so their greeting is, Happy Holidays. Occasionally, someone will greet me with Happy Holidays, and if the Spirit moves me, I might say, Well, exactly what holiday is it we are celebrating? Is it 
Is it Thanksgiving? Is it Halloween? Is it President's Day? What is the holiday that we are celebrating? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Christ. Now then, who is this one whose birth we celebrate? Well, there's always been some difficulty with his identity. Even in his hometown of Nazareth, there was some difficulty concerning who he was. The Scripture says in Luke 4.22, And all were speaking well of him, and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? You see, the people in Nazareth had watched him grow up. They had seen him as a boy. They had seen him help his father. And now then they're hearing about these miracles. They are hearing these words that he is speaking. They're hearing about all those things. And they said, who is this? Is this not Joseph's boy? Is this not Joseph's? And so there was some confusion in his hometown as to who he was. Jesus on one occasion... In Caesarea Philippi, ask his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they replied, Matthew 16, 14, and they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now then, they were very complimentary concerning his identity. Well, there are those people out there who think that you're a prophet. There are some who think that you might be Elijah or Jeremiah, one of the other prophets, the problem is, is that they fell short when they believed that Jesus was simply a prophet. Nicodemus was very complimentary of Jesus, believing that he was special. John chapter 3, verse number 2, Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God. Now, that's pretty impressive. We know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs. No one can do the miracles that you are doing. So he acknowledged that he was a miracle worker unless God is with him. We understand that God is with you. Nicodemus saw Jesus as being special, but again, he fell short as to who he was. Folks, the fact is, Jesus is God. Jesus is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. And to recognize Him as any less than that is unacceptable. You see, the Bible refers to Him as being the Son of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Who is Jesus? He is the only begotten Son of God, according to John 3.16. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us, which is what the prophet Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before he was born. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet looked into the future and said, when the Messiah comes, he is going to be God with us. John, in his gospel, spoke of his deity. In the prologue of the gospel of John, John wrote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. So John, then, in his gospel, begins by stating that Jesus is God in the flesh. Even doubting Thomas believed that he was God. 
You know the story of Thomas. Poor old Thomas. We beat him up so badly. I'm not hard on him because I don't think I would have been any different, to be honest. But when the disciples said to him, We have seen the resurrected Lord. Now, how would you have responded? When Thomas was told that he didn't see him, when he was told that, he said, Well, I'm not going to believe that unless I take my fingers and put into the nail prints in his hands and take my hand and thrust into his side because I saw him die. I'm not going to believe that. And then Jesus appeared to Thomas, and Thomas fell at his feet and cried out, My Lord and my God. You see, even doubting Thomas believed that he was deity. He is the Messiah who was promised. That's who Jesus is. After Adam and Eve sinned, God promised that he was going to send a Savior, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. That was the reason that Andrew said to his brother Peter, We have found the Messiah. We have found the one that has been promised in Scripture. So, the one who came, ladies and gentlemen, is the Son of God. He is Emmanuel. He is the Messiah, the Savior. So, just I know that's basic to you, but I think it's important that we rehearse some of these basic things about Christmas because we are losing it in our country. Secondly, we all know that he was born in Bethlehem. Now, there are two Bethlehems in Scripture. One is mentioned only one time, and that's in Joshua chapter 19, verse number 15. And uh, that was a Bethlehem in the region of Galilee. The other Bethlehem that is mentioned is about five miles outside of Jerusalem. And it is mentioned 53 times in the Scripture. Now, Bethlehem is a significant place in Jewish history, the one that is outside Jerusalem. There were many historic events that happened there. The, the first time that it is mentioned is in reference to Rachel's burial. Now, Rachel, the Bible tells us, in the Genesis chapter 35, was pregnant. She was going to have a child. She had difficulty in labor, and she died. She was buried there in Bethlehem. So Bethlehem, then, is the place of her burial. It also is the place where Ruth was redeemed. You might recall the story in the Old Testament where Naomi, because of a famine in Israel, she and her family went to Moab. While they were in Moab, her sons met and married some Moabite women. As time went on, her husband, Naomi's husband, and her sons died. So she is going to return to Israel. Ruth said that she was going with her mother-in-law. And, of course, she accompanied her mother-in-law back to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, there she met Boaz. They fell in love. He redeemed her and married her. That happened in Bethlehem. So Bethlehem, then, is the place of the redemption of Ruth. It is also the place where David was anointed to be king. The Scripture says in 1 Samuel 16, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself among his sons. So Samuel then went to Bethlehem, to Jesse's place. And uh, Jesse began bringing his sons out before the prophet. 
And he brought the first one out, and Samuel looked at him and said, I think this guy looks like the next king. God said, no, this is not the one. He brought the next one out, and he says, well, you know, I think this one is going to be the king. And he said, no, he's not the one. And so they went on. Finally, Samuel said to him, do you not have any other sons? He said, well, I have one kid over here who's taking care of the sheep. He said, well, go get him. So he went to get him, brought him out. That was David, and God said, this is the one. This is the one. And so there in Bethlehem, God anointed David to be the king of Israel. It was Bethlehem where it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born. In Micah chapter 5, verse number 2, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. Now, that was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and it was foretold that he was going to be born in the town of Bethlehem, and he was. So, who is the one whose birth we celebrate? It is the, the promised Messiah. It is Emmanuel. It is the Son of God, Jesus. Where was he born? He was born in Bethlehem, about five miles out of Jerusalem. Now, thirdly... Why did he come? Why did Jesus come to this earth? Why did God send his son to this earth? Well, there are several reasons, and I'm sure there are far more than I'm going to mention to you, but let me just mention some to you, some reasons as to why he came. First of all, to bear our suffering. You see, folks, we live in a world where there is tremendous suffering. You, you saw that a little bit ago on the video of, of, of Haiti. There is tremendous suffering in the world today, and Jesus came to bear our sufferings with us. As a matter of fact, there was suffering when he was born. Look at verse 16. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem, and in all its environs from two years old and under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the Magi. So, Herod understood that a king was being born. When the wise men did not come and tell him where, he decided he would kill all the male babies two years old and under, just to make sure that his throne was protected. You see... Herod's fear was that his throne was being threatened, that there was another ruler, and someone might take his throne. So he killed all the children. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine having a, having a, a child and, and uh, that child being killed? That was the reason for it. It was a political reason, a reason motivated by power. Albert Barnes wrote, though he was cruel, yet we have no right to think he attempted anything except what he thought to be for his own safety and to, to secure himself from a rival. So there's the suffering of the children, suffering of the parents. I can, you know, Linda and I have talked about it a lot, and I would imagine a lot of you are like we are in this regard. I can handle just about anything that comes my way except the suffering of my children. You know, I, I can handle things that are thrown at me, but boy, it breaks my heart when anything uh, happens 
negatively concerning my children. Can you imagine being a parent and the soldiers come to your door, they come into your house, and they take out your children to kill your children simply because they're male and under two years old? So there was suffering when he was born. Well, I understand that at this Christmas there are people who are suffering. I know that. I'm always aware during the celebration that there are people who are suffering. There are people who are lonely. Some of you. Because you are experiencing your first Christmas without a husband, without a wife, without a mother, without a father, without a child. And so there is a sense in which some of you are, are lonely because of that loss. I understand that. I was talking to my brother this week, and I said, what are you going to do for, for Christmas? He said, well, we're going to go to Robin, his wife's ha- uh, family, to see her brother in, in Alabama. And I said, oh, yeah, how come? And he said, well, because, you know, their child died this last year. There was an accident, and the child died this last year. And he said, this is their first year with, uh, without that child, so we want to be with them. We know that there are soldiers in Iraq and Iran and other parts of the world. They are alone this year. I understand that. See, there are people this year, while we are celebrating, they are lonely. They are not rejoicing. They are grieving. And Jesus came to share our suffering. He does not exempt us from suffering, but He shares our suffering with us. You see, ladies and gentlemen, if you are lonely today, He promises His presence. That's what He promises to you. He has said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so you are not alone. You might have lost a husband. You might have lost a wife. You might have lost a parent or a child. But you're not alone this Christmas because Christ has said, I will never leave you even until the end of the age. If you're grieving, He comes to bear our grief with us, just as He did with Mary and Martha when their brother uh, Lazarus died. Jesus came to comfort them. And that's what He does with us. During those times when, it, when our hearts are broken, He comes to comfort us and to bear our suffering with us. That's one of the reasons that He came. To bear our, I cannot imagine going through life without having the Lord to help bear my sufferings with me. He also came to guide through the uncertainties of life. I think there was a great deal of uncertainty with Mary and Joseph as they made their way to Bethlehem. First of all, it was a strange place. We can assume they didn't know anyone there. Had they had relatives there or they had friends there, I'm sure they would have stayed with them. But apparently they didn't, so they didn't know anyone there. It was a strange place to which they were going. And then there was the uncertainty of a child. They were going to have a child. You remember when your first child was born? You who have children? It's a scary thing. I remember when Stephanie was born. They handed her to me, and I thought, what am I going to do with this kid? I didn't know what I was supposed to do. They hand me a little girl. And they said, well, here she is. You know, there's uncertainty that goes with all of that. Here you have a child. And I can imagine that that Mary and Joseph, they are having a child, and they were going through those same uncertainties that we face. There is uncertainty in our life today. This is a world that is very uncertain. Our young people, there's a lot of uncertainty that they're dealing with. Are they going to graduate from high school? Are they going to get into a college? Are they going to be able to pass the courses? Are they going to be able to get a job after they finish up? What are they going to do with this enormous death that we're leaving to them? I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty with young people. And then there's, there's the also uncertainty that older people are dealing with. We haven't got it worked out either. You know, I used to think when I was your age or when I, I would be my age, I'd know all the answers 
I've got more questions now than, than I used to. There's a lot of uncertainty in life. Am I going to have enough money to get out of this thing? You know, am I going to run out of money before I run out of life? Or how's it going to end up? How's my health going to be? Am I going to be healthy? What's going to get me? I know there's something lurking out there. So what's going to, what's going to get me? Am I going to suffer from dementia or Alzheimer's or something? I saw a paper, an article in the paper yesterday about the tests that they're doing for Alzheimer's now. There was a lady who had been having some issues. I think she was 62 years old. And she went in and had some tests made. They came back and said that she had Alzheimer's. She said, I, I wish I hadn't known. I wish they didn't tell me. So and the point that I'm making is that there's a lot of uncertainty as we look into the future. So Jesus came to share our uncertainty with us. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 6, Do not be anxious for your life. Don't worry about food and clothing and all those things. Do you know that Jesus said, I, I know everything about you. I know everything you're going through. He said, I know the number of hairs on your head. Now, I know that's not a challenge for some of you. I can sit up, stand up here and look out and know that for some of you. He said, he knows every time that a sparrow falls. He said, I take care of those. I take care of the sparrows, see that they are cared for, they are fed. He said, and you're worth more than they. Folks, if we focus on the Christ of Christmas and understand his love for us, then so much of the fear is, is relieved. That Jesus came to share with us the uncertainties that we face. He came to overcome death. Now, we, we miss our loved ones, don't we? We miss um, the counsel of some of our people who have gone before us. I thought many times, I, I wish my dad were alive because there have there, been a lot of times when I'd like to have gone to him and said, I'm facing this, now help me out here. We, we miss their counsel. We miss the belief that they had in us. My mother always believed in me. She always believed in me. You miss that. You miss your friends. Uh, the point is, is that our loved ones, our family members who have preceded us in death, we miss them. But Jesus came to conquer death. And so the Scripture says, O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, folks, here's the thing. If we are saved, if we know the Lord... And our loved ones knew the Lord. We're going to see them again. Boy, what a reunion it's going to be when we get there and see some of our loved ones again. I, I, I figure that, oh, I have a lot of thoughts about that. But it's, it's going to be a great day of reunion when we see our loved ones again. Because Jesus conquered death. And then he came to forgive sin. You see, the Scripture says in Colossians 2.14, having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You know what happened when Jesus died on the cross? The Bible says that all of my sins, all of your sins, were nailed to the cross and he paid for them. All of my sins He paid for. Now, because He paid for my sins, 
that He offers to me and to you the gift of forgiveness. That's the reason Isaiah the prophet wrote, Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. You see, Jesus paid for our sins. He came to pay for our sins. That He might give to us the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. To know that we have been washed in the blood of Jesus. So, the reasons that He came? Well, He came to bear our suffering, to guide us through the uncertainties of life, to overcome death, and to forgive our sin. Let me conclude. Who was the one who came? It's Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the promised Messiah. When you celebrate Christmas this year, I hope that it rings in your heart and in your words, Merry Christmas, because it is all about Jesus. Why did He come? Well, I know when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane facing the cross, that Jesus said as He anticipated the cross, For this cause came I to this hour. He came to die, to pay for our sins that we might be forgiven. But what is your response to that? Maybe, maybe there is some confusion in your mind, in your heart, as there was with the people of Nazareth. Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Joseph's boy? So maybe there's some confusion. Maybe you see him as special as did Nicodemus. That Jesus was special, or the prophet said he, or his disciples said he's a prophet. Well, folks, He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is God in the flesh. That's who Jesus is. He was God in the flesh. He is the promised Savior who came to pay for your sin that you might have everlasting life. Do you know Jesus? Have you ever committed your life to Jesus? He'll make all the difference in the world in your life. He will change your life if you'll commit your life to Him. Would you bow your heads with me, please? In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. The choir will sing, but it's an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord if you're here without Christ as Savior. Today, would you commit your life to Him? There will be staff members here to meet with you and pray with you. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. We'd love to have you. Our Father in God, we come thanking you for sending the Lord Jesus to pay for our sins, to guide us through life, to empower us. Father, I pray today for those who have never trusted you that they might. Lord, for those who need to walk closer to you and are looking for a church home, I pray that they will feel comfortable here. I pray, Lord, your blessings upon this time through our obedience in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with me, please, as we stand together and the choir sings, You Come, I'll greet you as you do.